Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together and give God a cheer this morning. Amen. He's good. Amen. Before you're seated, just turn around, look at somebody and smile and say, it's good to see you here today. Glad I'm sitting by you. All right. You may be seated. Amen. What a beautiful day. Wonderful time. Amen. How many believe in the, this time? How many love this season, right? This holiday season, this holiday season. Amen. How many know the church gets to celebrate? We begin to tell the world and we remind the devil that Jesus is alive. Amen. He's real. He's alive. He's living today. Amen. How many are just thankful for his love, his grace, his goodness? Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord's done so much, hasn't he? Amen. Thank God. And as the Bible records that if it had not been for the Lord on our side, where would we be? Amen. We're so thankful for, amen. And we're thankful that you're here today if you're joining us online. And uh, we just pray that wherever you are listening and watching and however you're listening, that God meets you here today and, and uh, really just ministers to your heart. And uh, this is Palm Sunday. Love, love Palm Sunday. Love Easter. Love Palm Sunday for a lot of reasons. But I'm always reminded of that story of, uh, you know, when he, the little boy, he was five years old, Johnny uh, had a sore throat, stayed home from church and stayed home with his mom and couldn't go to church. When his family came back from church, they had palm branches. And he said, where'd you get those? He said, well, when, you know, we were worshiping the Lord. And when Jesus walked by, they waved these things by Jesus. And he said, just as I thought, the day I don't go, he shows up. Right? Amen. I love that story, right? <laughs> How many have ever felt that way, right? Yeah, man, I don't go, he shows up, amen. But the Lord's good. It's such a beautiful day, wonderful time. You know, and the thing of it is, is you may have some questions about the Lord and about life today, but you know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he answers all our questions, doesn't he? Amen. And there's so many things in life that can drive you crazy, and you know, but I'm just so thankful that God's grace just covers wherever we are, where, whoever we are. And God's grace can minister to us. And so we pray that that happens today. Hallelujah. Let's turn to Luke chapter 9. I'm going to read the scripture. We'll pray and just share a thought today in Luke chapter 9. Uh, if you have your device or your Bible, you can turn or click to Luke chapter 9, um, verse 51. You can turn me down a little bit out there. Luke, uh, verse 51 and um, through 53. Jesus was ministering, and this is probably, oh, I don't know, maybe towards the end of his ministry. Um, Jesus uh, lived and walked and ministered for three and a half years, and this was kind of towards the end, but in verse 51, um, we're going to tie this all together, but in verse 51, the Bible says, and it came to pass when the time was come that Jesus should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, and then he sent his messengers before his face, and they went, and they went to the village of Samaritans and made ready for him. He was going to stop there. But the Bible says that they didn't receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And there's an interesting story, great principles there. But the Bible says in verse 51 that he set his face to go to Jerusalem. That means that he was determined to go to Jerusalem and die. And this was uh, months before that he would actually die on the cross. And the Bible says that he was committed to go to Jerusalem. He had set his face steadfastly. I like what one translation says. It says that he steadfastly moved towards Jerusalem with an iron will. Jesus uh, uh, you know, went towards Jerusalem, towards the cross. Because in Jerusalem at that time wasn't a festival or a feast. It was the cross. 
And Jesus knew where he was going. How many know Jesus knew where he was going? Jesus was determined to die on the cross for us. He set his face. He was determined. He was committed. He already made up in his mind that he was going to Jerusalem and he was going to die. And there was this journey that Jesus made to the cross. Amen. And so the Bible makes it clear that he knew the whole time God's will. Jesus knew from, from even the very time he was young, he knew God's will for his life. And he knew that he was going to die in Jerusalem. And he knew why he should die, and he knew what would happen if he died. Aren't you glad for that? How many know that um, you know, Jesus knew, amen, long before he talked about it, he knew that he was going to die on the cross, and he knew that he was going to be the Savior of the world, amen. He just knew that, didn't he? The Bible says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Amen. I want to talk to you today about the way of the cross. Lord, we just thank you today for your word. It's living. It's powerful. We thank you for this time and the season that we recognize, Lord, and actually the whole world gets the chance to recognize that you are living. And you're real and you're not just historically, but Lord, uh, realistically, you are living. You are now. And we thank you, Lord, today that as we get into your word and we examine your word, your word gets into us. Your word begins to examine us. Your word begins to look at us, Lord, and we begin to see ourselves in the word. I pray that we would find healing and deliverance and salvation and truth in your word today, that we may be the people that you want us to be today. We just give you all the praise and all the glory. And everybody said... Amen. I believe that the way to the cross is the way to life. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus set his face to, the, to Jerusalem to the cross. That there was a way that Jesus had to go to get to the cross. How many believe that? Amen. Aren't you glad that Jesus knew that he was going to die for you the whole time and he still wanted to go? Amen. Aren't you glad that love really drove Jesus to the cross? I mean, just the mercy of God was really compelling Jesus the whole time in His ministry. Eventually, He knew that He would have to go to Jerusalem and He would have to die on the cross. Aren't you glad for that? Can we just lift our hand to heaven and say, Lord, thank You, amen, that You knew, amen, that You would die for me today. Amen. I knew, I, God knew that and He knew that. And so the way to the cross is the way to life. I want to talk to you about the way of the cross. Jesus made this journey. In fact, when we find him in Luke chapter 9, he's, he's really kind of uh, into his ministry. He's really engaged in his ministry. He's traveling. People are getting healed. The following is, is growing. Jesus has already established a name for himself. Not that he tried, but he did. How many know that? And, he, and, every, and the Bible says he was very, very popular by this time. And so, you know, the Bible makes it clear that when Jesus started his journey towards Jerusalem and started towards the cross, what we call it, you know, right now, Palm Sunday, many people call it Holy Week, but he started making his way to Jerusalem to the cross. And this journey really started, we could say it started back then, but it, it really, we kind of pick up the story today where we're at today, Palm Sunday. Jesus was riding in to Jerusalem, starting at Mount Olives. And the Bible says that he got a donkey and... And by the time that people heard that he was coming back to Jerusalem, the Bible says that it was a triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Amen. People were taking the palm branches and they were shouting and worshiping God. And the Bible says in John chapter 12 that they took the branches of the palm trees and they went out to meet Jesus. And they began to cry out and began to worship. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. They began to worship the Lord there at Mount Olives. And that was kind of Jesus' journey 
to the cross. He started there at Mount Olives and the Mount of Olives. And, and uh, you know, I've been there and had the privilege of going there and kind of overlooking and you can see Jerusalem. It actually sits about 300 feet above Jerusalem. And so it's one of the higher points there. And so Jesus started at that high point and the Bible says that when he was there, he rode in down into the valley and he was getting ready to ride. And people met him there and they were worshiping Jesus at the Mount of Olives. And, you know, this was always known in the Old Testament, especially was known as where God was worshipped. That's what Mount Olives was all about, is where God was worshipped. And you'll find it in the Old Testament. I believe it was in Samuel. Amen. This was a place where God was worshipped. And this was a place that was always set aside for intense worship for the Lord. And how many know, amen, that day, what we call Palm Sunday, was intense worship. Amen. I mean, people were going off, especially with the palm branches. It was in their face and, you know, all stuff. I remember as a kid, we used to hand out palm branches all the time, right? And by the end of church, they were all over the floor and we had them in the car, in the parking lot. And we just had palm branches everywhere. Amen. And, you know, that's what kind of the site was about. And so they began to worship the Lord, but it started at Mount Olives here. It started at this high point. And Jesus began his journey here at Mount Olives. And it's interesting about the Mount of Olives is that after Jesus' resurrection, when the Bible says that after he had shown himself to many people, he had met with the disciples and, and he had uh, really began to show them some things, the Bible says that he led them out near the Mount of Olives and he was ascended into heaven. Isn't that neat? So the very place that he descended into the valley, he ascended into heaven. And the Bible records twice, once in the Old Testament, once in the New Testament, that when Jesus comes back another time, one of the places He's going to go is Mount Olives. Right. Mount of Olives. Is that right? Is that what the Bible says? Yes, it does. Zechariah in Revelation says Jesus is going to touch His foot back on the Mount of Olives. Amen. So He started out here. He started out at this high place. He started out on His journey to the cross in a very high place. But how do we know the Bible says that He rode down into the valley? And so the second place we see here that Jesus went to, He's went to the garden. That road actually led down into the valley and into a place called Gethsemane, which was the garden there. And the night before Jesus was crucified, and the, the trials of Jesus began really at the garden of Gethsemane. How many know that story very well? And so the road went from Mount Olives and He found Himself in this garden of Gethsemane. And, and this signifies a couple things, really neat. Actually, Jesus started out at Mount of Olives, went down into the valley there, the Garden of Gethsemane. It really kind of signifies a few things. It signifies that Jesus came as the Son of the living God. He came from heaven down to earth. Amen. How many know this signifies that Jesus, amen, came from glory and He came down to humanity. Amen. It also signifies that Jesus humbled Himself to death. He started out as a high point, amen, and people were worshiping, but how many know the Bible says He humbled Himself even unto death, amen. And so He went down into this garden, and, and, and in, during that time, the Bible says that He came to a place of self-denial. He denied Himself. He said, Lord, not my will, but Your will be done that night, amen. And the Bible makes it clear that there was such a submission to God. There was such a, uh, He had submitted Himself to the will of God. How many know it's one thing to know what God wants you to do? It's another thing to submit yourself to it. Amen. And so Jesus submitted Himself to the will of the Father in the garden. And then the third place we see is actually the journey to the cross. You know, He, he made His way from the garden to the judgment seat or the judgment house or, or Pilate's judgment hall. And then from there, He made His way to Calvary. 
The Bible says it and makes it clear that there was a place and there was a destination everybody knew about. Today it's called the Via Della Rosa where Jesus went from the Pilate's Judgment Hall and carried His cross, amen, that long distance up that uh, windy road to Calvary. How many know Jesus took a journey to the cross? And He made His way to the cross and He, and he, and he went from the, the Judgment Hall and He made His way to Calvary. The Bible says that and he suffered many things and it was a long distance, but I love this story about the cross because really what it says is that Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice because he became the greatest servant. Jesus didn't come as a king and he didn't come that way. The Bible says he suffered as a servant would. He suffered as someone who was lower than a servant would suffer. He suffered a criminal's death even though he was an innocent man. How many believe that with all your heart? Jesus was innocent. And He suffered a criminal's death and He did it for you and me. The Bible says that there is no greater love than this than a man would lay down his life or his friends. Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice because He was the greatest servant. That was at the cross. He let Himself, amen, be nailed to a cross. He let Himself be beaten. He let Himself, amen, do that. Why? For you and I. For our healing, for our sin, for our disobedience. Come on somebody, amen. For our rebellion, for our rejection of the truth. Jesus did it for us, amen. Before we were saved, before we knew Him, before we believed in Him. Come on, Jesus made a way for us to be saved. That's what we're celebrating at this time. And so Jesus went from the Garden of Gethsemane to the Bible says that there was a garden tomb. (laughs) I mean, though Jesus went from, amen, a low place and in another blow place. See, the Bible says he went from the Garden of Gethsemane to the Garden Tomb. Let me just say this, that one garden led to self-denial, the other garden led to resurrection. The way to the cross is life. Amen? The way to the cross is the way to life. And Jesus knew that one garden, He would have to deny Himself, but the other garden, He would be exalted. Amen? The other garden would be His resurrection, His empty tomb. And that's what we love about the Lord. But He made His way to the cross. I like what one writer said, I read recently. He said, on Sunday, Jesus wept at His triumphal entry because of those who would reject Him. And on Thursday, He wept at the Garden of Gethsemane because He knew the price would He be paying for our sins. And on Friday, He cried out on the cross because of the pain that He was suffering. But on Sunday, He told His disciples, don't cry anymore. Weep not anymore. Amen. Because I have risen from the dead. I have won the victory. I have proven that I am the Son of God. That I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. How many believe that with all your heart? Amen. Hallelujah. And so the way to the cross was the way to life. Now what does that mean for us? What does that speak to us today? I believe that there is a way and a journey that we got to make to the cross. Amen. How many believe that Jesus wants us to carry our cross? Go and there's a way for us. Well, let me just share with you what I call some waypoints. Amen. For us on the way to the cross. Amen. In Matthew chapter 16, turn with me there. I love this account. This is towards the end of Jesus' ministry. And this was when he was being taken up at Mount Mount of Olives. And in Matthew chapter 16, I'm just going to read uh, 24, verses 24. I love this um, part of the Great Commission, really, and that last instruction that Jesus gave the disciples. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Is that what the Scriptures say? For whoever will save his life will lose it. Whoever will lose his life for my sake shall 
find it. For what is a man profited if he will gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus said here, amen, that we need to, if we're going to come after him, we've got to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. Jesus gives us an invitation to the way to the cross. He, he lays out very plainly that every one of us have waypoints that we've got to take a journey just like he did to the cross. I believe that Jesus loves you. God loves you so much. I believe that doesn't change. Come on, you can't earn your way. You can't do anything for salvation. You can't make, do anything that's going to make God love you any more than He does love you right now. Amen? He loves you. He wants to save you. He, he died for your sins. But you've got to make the journey to the cross. Amen. That's what Jesus is saying here. If anyone wants to come after me, let anyone. Aren't you glad anyone? He didn't just say a particular class of people uh, at a certain time. He said, anyone, come after me. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I like the couple of the translations. They make it very, very clear what Jesus said. He said, you must put aside your own pleasures, your selfish ways, and shoulder your cross and follow me closely. Forget, ignore, disown, lose sight of himself in his own interest and take up his cross. Join me as a disciple and siding with my party continually, cleaving steadfastly to me. Amen. How many know that sounds like a decision? That, that sounds like somebody else. So we talked about Jesus who set himself, his face to Jerusalem. He was committed to the will of God. Jesus is saying that if you're going to commit to him, that you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Him. Some of you thought, wow, I thought this was going to be an exciting, fun message. This is going to be great. Amen. But you know, the Bible makes it clear that we're born into sin. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and that we have a sin nature when we're born. Come on, somebody. Amen. Is that what the Bible says? But when we're born again, we're made new. Amen. Our spirits are born again and we have the power to walk in newness of life, the Bible says. That we've been given a new life through Jesus Christ, what He did at Calvary. And the Bible says that He wants to empower us to live this new life. How many believe that? Amen. But see, unfortunately, we're still in this body. And Paul said, as long as we're in this body, we're going we're gonna to struggle with wanting to go back to the sin nature. So we're going to struggle with wanting to live the old ways of our old life. That's going to be our temptation. But as he said in Romans chapter 7, thanks be to God who always gives us the, the victory. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that Jesus gave us a win-win? <laughs> Come on, amen, a win-win situation in the Lord. But we've got to deny ourselves, the part of us that still wants to sin, the part of us that still wants to uh, do the things, part of the old nature, as the Bible describes. And so when we talk about the old nature and the flesh and, and the old life, that's what the Bible refers to. And then that's what the Bible says you need to deny yourself. Or you need to refuse or disallow your old lower nature to take over and, and, and dictate your behavior. This is what it, what it gives us the picture of. You need to reject sinful desires and redirect to His nature, His will, His way. How many believe that's what the Lord wants us to do? That's what the Holy Spirit's been given in our life. It's such a wonderful experience that we have with the Holy Ghost when He teaches us to reject everything that's sinful. Come on. But, but we need to what? Then we need to run after or we need to begin to uh, um, redirect ourselves towards God's nature. I love that. That's what it means to live in this new body, in the new life. And so we've, we've got to live a life of self-denial. 
That's one of the waypoints, the first waypoint that Jesus said. Live a life of self-denial. Many people feel uncomfortable with this part. They try to, uh, you know, kind of change this part and make it formidable to my life. But how many know it doesn't work that way? <laughs> Amen. Jesus couldn't just do what He wanted to do. He had to do it God's way. Amen. And so when you deny yourself, I believe that you reject sinful desires, but you also redirect yourself towards God's way, God's nature, His will. And so new life in Christ really is directly related to death to self. Did you know that? In fact, when you deny yourself, you accept Jesus. You accept His will. You accept His way. That's what it means to deny yourself. It means you simply, you accept His way. Come on. How many believe that self-denial isn't self-hatred? It's not an emotional abuse. The Lord loves us too much. He would never let us hate ourselves. Lead us. He would never lead you to an abusive uh, form of love. Come on, somebody. Amen. He's not going to allow you to, to hate your body. Destroy your body. He doesn't want you to do that because He loves us too much. Come on, somebody. So what He has is that we have to deny ourselves. And, and listen, when we move into self-denial, that's actually a love for God and spiritual health. <laughs> Did you know that's spiritual health? Did you know that? Amen. And so it really is a way that Jesus has designed for us to live in newness of life. In fact, the crucified life brings growth. Self-preservation hinders growth. So that's what the, one, the waypoint that Jesus showed us the way to the cross. The second thing is, is that Jesus showed us a waypoint to the cross is self-control. Amen? How many believe that being a Christian isn't a name, it's a lifestyle? Amen? And so when you understand denying yourself, you also understand controlling yourself. And I, I believe this personally, that we are not to dominate other people. We're only to dominate our lower nature. Amen? Many people go around and say, I'm going I'm to get trying to control and rule everybody else. The Bible says, listen, you need to get control of yourself. <laughs> you need to rule your own spirit, your own heart. You need to, come on, you need to control your tongue and your temper, your emotions, your desires, your appetites, your spending. The Holy Spirit helps us with that. Amen. Why? So that you can experience health, joyful outcomes, peaceful in relationships, come on, and fulfillment in your life. That's a stronger relationship with God. Amen. How many know self-denial and self-control only lead to a more fulfilled relationship with God? Amen. You say, well, I just became more holy. Well, you became closer to God. <laughs> Whatever you want to say. Amen. So, so that's what it's about. It's not about the outward. The Bible says it's about what's going on inside. Galatians chapter 5 says that the fruit of the Spirit is temperance, self-control. And I love this addition that Paul says, there is no conflict with Jewish, Jewish laws. In other words, there's a lot of restrictions with uh, communion. There, there was a lot of restrictions with sacrifice, right? But he said with the fruit of the Spirit, there's no restrictions. You can have it as much as you want, as long as you want. Come on, you can have much love as you want. And there's no, no law. There's no restrictions to that. Aren't you glad for that? In other words, you can indulge in peace. <laughs> you can indulge in joy. You can enjoy, indulge in gentleness and kindness and patience. Everybody's like, oh, okay, that's great. Yeah, and that's the what it is. The fruit of the Spirit is really you're restricting the area that wants to destroy you, but you're bringing alive the areas that are going to bring health, come on, and relationship. I love that. Is this okay? Self-control. See, when we practice self-control, again, you can indulge in the nature of Jesus. You can just go off in love. 
Just go off in peace. That's what it means. How many know some of us go off in anger and that doesn't lead to good places? Come on. Come on, we go off in addiction and that leads to destruction. Come on. Hello. But the Bible says, listen, you need to put a restraint on that, but don't restrain this. Amen. We'll stick at the Palm Sunday theme here. Amen. No. Self-control isn't just what you can't do, it's what you can do. Amen? I love that about the Lord. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul teaches us that temperance is what gives us the victory and allows us to know the character of Jesus. In 2 Peter, he teaches us that we need to add to our faith self-control. It's an addition to your faith, and it gives you strength and therefore grows your relationship with the Lord. Amen. Isn't that good? And third waypoint I want to share with you today on a way that journey to the cross is submission. Now this one's a little bit of a swear word for most Christians, but it's, it's a biblical truth that'll set you free. Submission. And Hebrews chapter 13, I picked a real nice one, a real good one. Clear scripture about it. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Let's read verse 18. Paul said, pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for us. I love that. See, it's, it is about obedience and submission. We hear those words, obey and submit. And, but it's also about accountability. Uh-oh. It's, all about, it's also about love and concern for people. That's why when Paul said, obey and, and submit yourself, he said, also, pray for us. Because this is about a relationship of mutual respect and honor. Hello? Amen? Now, I don't talk about submission to church in church leadership first, and I don't talk about submission in to husbands first because it's just not that way. That it just doesn't start there. Submission doesn't start with church leadership. Submission doesn't start with husbands in the home. Submission starts with God. Amen. The Bible says in Ephesians when he's teaching about the roles of marriage, he says, "Submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God." The way that you love God is how you submit to other people. In fact, submission to God is, a determined, is determined by a love for God. How many know Jesus loved the Father? So He submitted to the Father. Jesus loved us, so He submitted to the will of His Father. Jesus wanted to bring salvation for us, so He submitted to His Father. Amen? Hope this helps. Amen today. And so, so, listen, Jesus submitted Himself to the Father first, then to the Romans. Is that what the Bible says? And how many know if you submit yourself to God, He will empower you to submit yourself to other people, to other things? Come on, somebody. Amen. Because if it doesn't come out of a heart of love for God, then it's going to come out a wrong way. Amen. And submission that isn't done God's way leads to abuse. See, all submission really isn't about death. Now think about this. All submission is not about death or oppression. We think submission is about oppression. But listen, Jesus saw submission as liberating and a gateway into new life with His Father. Isn't that amazing? Jesus saw submission as a liberating uh, you know, kind of an element that He wanted and needed in His relationship with the Lord. So Jesus saw it another way. Jesus saw that if He would submit Himself to the cross, there would be life for us. Right? Is that what the Bible says? Jesus saw us. Amen. After the cross. So I love that. And then the fourth thing I want to share with you, the waypoint, is a very short one. Very simple. And that is serving. The Bible says that the way to the cross was serving. Jesus willingly laid down His life as a servant. Jesus didn't come as a reigning king. He came as a suffering servant. 
He just humbled himself, the Bible says. And we don't want to do that because we don't see that as powerful. We don't see that as strong. And yet, the Lord teaches us the opposite. That what? If you humble yourself, God will lift you up. I mean, is that what the Bible says? Submit yourself to God. Right? And the devil will flee. That, that's the Bible way, amen, is that we need to serve. The Bible teaches us in Galatians, amen, that uh, uh, in, in verse 13, 5 of 13, it says, you've been given liberty. You've been called to freedom. You have victory, you have freedom, you have liberty, but don't use your freedom or your liberty as an occasion for the flesh, but by love serve one another. Amen. And so just like Jesus, the greatest act of love is serving. Amen. Laying down your life for other people in serving other people, putting other people first. How many remember the golden rule? Right. Come on. I believe that the Bible is full of golden rules. <laughs> Amen. They all work, don't they? Amen. Serving is one of the greatest things that we can do. The waypoint to the cross is through serving. How many believe that the Lord wants us to carry our cross just like he carried his cross? But how many know that the way to the cross is the way to life? Do you believe that this morning? How many believe that the way to, the, to, the, to salvation is through the cross? So, so the way to life is through the cross. The Bible principle teaches us this, is that before there's life, there has to be death. And that there was a sacrifice before there was a gift. Amen? How many can say, Lord, I, I want to I walk this way. I want to walk this way after you, Lord. I'm listening to you today telling me to deny myself and carry my cross because of the way to the cross is the way to life. How many believe that? Amen. Can we stand on our feet today? I just want to share with you a few things in closing. So really, Jesus' journey to the cross led to victory. It led to new life. And so it is with us. And this is what my point is today, is that it's, it's that way with us. And, and we've talked about that, that the way to the cross is the way to life. And the way to life is through the cross. Amen. But I want to point out something real quick. In, in verse 51 of our text in Luke chapter 9, you remember when the Bible says that Jesus, you know, set his face to Jerusalem. Remember we read that? Well, did you read that before that? I, I skipped over this so many times. And one time I read this and I thought, wow, this really makes sense. The Bible says in verse 51 of Luke 9, it says, As the time drew near for his return to heaven. It didn't say, as the time drew near for him to die on the cross. It said, as the time drew near for his ascension. Wow. So Jesus didn't look at going to the cross as dying as much as He saw it as living. He didn't see, amen, the death that He would suffer. He saw the life that He would live. The Bible says that he, the time was coming near for Him to go back to heaven. That was His goal. That was His view. When He looked at the, all the things that He needed to do to deny Himself, to submit to the will of His Father, He didn't see the pain and the suffering. He saw the victory. He saw the empty tomb. He saw the resurrection. He saw the ascension. Going back to heaven, spending eternity with His Father. That's what He saw. He saw, man, I'm going to see my Father again. I'm going to go back, amen, to heaven. I'm going to be seated at the right hand. I'm going to sit in glory once again. That's what He saw. And today I believe that when we talk about carrying our cross, we need to see what God has in mind. There's new life there. Amen. There's growth there. 
There, there's this expansion, this strength in our relationship with God when we begin to lay down our life and we begin to deny ourselves because He saw the cross, amen, and He saw what the cross would lead to, which was new life, amen. And I, I believe that Christianity is not about force, it's about a choice. How many believe that? Christianity is about a choice. And you know something? I like this story and, and, and this whole account when Jesus was going into Jerusalem because, you know, Jesus only takes you as far as you want to go. And Jesus had all the people worshiping on that, on that mountain, all the people, but there was only 12 when He took the Last Supper. And then when He was in the garden, He was all by Himself. And Jesus will only take you as far as you want to go. And today it's important that we choose life. Come on, we choose this way. We choose to go this way. Jesus chose to lay down His life. Pilate said, hey, don't you know I have the power? Jesus said, the only power that you have is the one that's given to you by I freely lay down my life. I freely do it. God wants you to do this by choice. God said, well, I, I got to do what the church says. I got to go, go by these rules. I got to do this. I, I know what it takes to be a good Christian. I, no, it, it's a choice from the heart. And God wants you to make a choice from the heart today. God wants you to you know, say, Lord, I want to follow you because I love you. Because you laid your life down for me. I owe you everything. By the mercies of God, the Bible says, we present our bodies a living sacrifice. Because that's the least we can do. How many know that's the least we can do? Come on, living for God is the least we can do. Come on, just raising our family and making the right choices and doing what we need to be doing in this culture. We, that's the least we can do for all that God has done for us. Amen? But it's that power of choice that's where, it's where the power of the gospel is. It's that power of choice that's where, amen, Jesus had the power to lay His life down. That's where the power of the resurrection came. Amen? And so today, as you make that choice and you say, Lord, I want to live right. I want to do Your will. I want to go Your way. I want to, I want to deny myself and submit to the will of my Father in heaven. That's what I want to do today. I believe that the Lord's going to empower you to do those things. Because there's power in the choice for Jesus. Amen. There's power in the right choice, in godly choice, in the choice to walk with Jesus and follow Him and lay down our lives and carry our cross. Amen. So I just want to leave you with these questions today. Really, what stands in your way of following Jesus? What stands in the way of your victory and your freedom? What stands in the way of serving other people and and what stands in the way? What, what, what is the thing that you have to get through and you need to carry your cross and deny yourself? Are you willing to take your cross today? And I think that's a legitimate question for all of us. Lord, I don't want anything to stand in my way. I, don't want, to, I want to get to the place where I'm allowing riches and wealth and the love for money and the love for success. I don't want that to get in the way. I don't want it to get in the way of the cross, the journey that I've got to go to the, to the life in Jesus Christ. Come on somebody. You know what I'm talking about today? I don't want anything. I don't want other relationships to get in the way. I don't want, you know, my career, my job to get in the way, Lord, of raising my family and my marriage. I don't want anything to get in the way of that journey to the cross today. Amen. I wonder if there's somebody here today, you really aren't walking with Jesus and you really, you were there, now you've walked away. Now you're, you're just not there. You're cold and you haven't prayed. You haven't, you, th you think get, going to church is the answer, but it's not. It's actually just coming back to Jesus. It's just saying, Lord, I'm willing to deny myself today. Amen. I'm turning from my selfish desires and my wants. And I'm turning to you and I'm saying, Lord, I want to carry my cross. I don't want to follow you. How many know when you follow Jesus, there's miracles? 
There's provision. There's protection. Amen. How many, how many have just loved saying, I'm in the will of God. When you are in the will of God, there's protection. When you're following Jesus Christ, there's provision. We see that when he, he, he fed the 5,000 and he did all these miracles. How many know there's miracle power when you're walking with Jesus? Amen. And that's what we want for you today. Amen. That's what we pray. So let's just pray. Lord, we just thank you today. Thank you, Lord, that you have, you took that journey to the cross. You went the way to the cross for us. You did it joyfully, the Bible says. You didn't, you weren't, you know, all mad about it and frustrated and, and you weren't, you didn't regret anything, Lord. And so today we know that you're calling us to the cross, the way of the cross, to follow you wholeheartedly, to set our face in commitment and dedication and, and have an iron will to do what you want us to do. That's what you want us to do today. And you want us to be able to deny ourselves. And so many things in this life cater to the old nature. But Lord, today we just say we want to cater to the nature of God. I want to cater to your will. I want to cater to your way. Lord, the joy and the peace and the love and the long-suffering and the gentleness and kindness. That's what I want, Lord. And I want to do it in indulgence. I want to indulge myself in the joy of the Lord. I want to indulge myself in the peace of God. That's what you said. And I can have that today through Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's anybody here that, don't, that really isn't saved and born again, and maybe they think they are, they're just following a religious duty. Lord, we thank you, Lord, today, today is the day of salvation. You've made a way for them right now. They don't have to pay money to the church. They don't have to prove themselves. They don't have to do all these works. Lord, to get into heaven, you have made the way. And we just... Lord, we confess that you are Lord. We believe in our hearts that you have made a way, that you are the Savior of our lives, the Savior of our sins, Lord. And we confess that you're Jesus today. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives because of your word today. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. And everybody said, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a cheer today? Amen. You know, is there anybody here today you would just slip up your hand to heaven and say, I prayed that prayer.